Uh, if you have a Bible, now do this. Take it out. If you have it on your app, whatever it may be, hold it up. You ain't ashamed of your Bible. Amen. Amen. First time guests, yes, we have lost our minds, and uh, we just, uh, we love the Bible. We believe the Bible. We really do. We, we believe the Bible. We believe it's God's word to us, to his church. It's an instruction manual for us on how to live our life. And, uh, and even just make just, just a confession right now today. God, thank you for my word. Right, this is my word that you wrote for me to live by. Lord, I just thank you today that you have the answers to life in this book. Amen. Lord, we thank you that there's strength when we're weak. There's uh, encouragement when we're discouraged. There's just a lot of things that we need in the Bible, and we thank you for that today. Amen. And I, I, I want to do this. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 12. Luke, chapter 12. I slid that in. Luke, chapter 12. As you turn there, look at your neighbor and say, Today is a good day. It's a good day. Some people may not realize that yet, but it's a good day. Amen. If they're breathing in and out, it's a good day. And uh, if you're here and you're, you're sucking wind, that's a good day. So um, it's a good day. So Luke chapter 12, uh, we're going to start at verse 13. We're going to read through uh, to verse 21. And then we'll pray one more time. How about that? Luke, thir- uh, Luke 12 verse 13. It says, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I'll do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, So you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. This is going to be fun. I can say it now. We better pray. God, thank you for your word. And we thank you that it is life to us, God. It is peace and strength, God. It is an encouragement to us. And Lord, we thank you that in the scriptures, Lord, you teach us how to live our life. You teach us in, in areas of the subject of even our finances of what we should do, how we should handle those things. And Lord, we pray that today you'll help us to see that everything we have, Lord, is a gift from you. It is a gift from you. We're thankful for that today, Lord. I pray that you'll just help us as a church to walk in faithfulness. God, I pray that you'll help me to teach well today. I pray that your people will listen well today, and as a result, we will all apply well today your word and your scriptures and your truths to us. And we just thank you for it once again. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Tell your neighbor I'm glad you're sitting beside me. Amen. I'm glad you're sitting beside me. We're in, we're, you need to bring some people with you, man. Bring some friends and, you know, do, do okay, okay, that's my stuff. Um, we're in week nine of the parable. 
Amen. Praise God. I tell you, it has been fun. I, I, I'm thankful for the encouragement. I've, getting, I've gotten encouraging words that people say, man, they've gotten more out of these teachings. And this is the thing that we've really you know, taught on. And, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. I, I love it. Some people said, man, this is, your, uh, this is their favorite series. And we had somehow on my Facebook page, it had a, uh, somehow a, somebody called it a zombie post. Uh, it, it pulled a post back from 2010 and posted it the other day saying I was kicking off a new series. It was like over a year old. And I was like, oh, man, I hate to see the parable over with. And then, so I just want to let you know it's not. We're still rocking and rolling with the parable. It's still rolling. We're in week nine of it. And we've been doing this. We've been looking at the words of Jesus. Can't go wrong with that, man. You can't go wrong opening up your scriptures, looking at the red letter, and saying, man, what is he saying, and how do I need to apply this to my life? So we've been taking the parables of Jesus, and we've been looking at those things and applying them to our life. This is a small story we've said that has this big idea behind it, something that we should, uh, how, a way that we should live our life. And so today, I hope today you'll still say this after this teaching today, that this is still your favorite series. Because uh, this is Jesus' red letters too. And, uh, and it talks today as we begin to get into the title of this. If you, in most Bibles or in most captions, they'll say that this is the parable of the rich fool. The rich fool. The Bible talks a whole lot about money. I mean, there's, I mean, 800 scriptures over there. I mean, it's slam full of, of, of talking about finances and money and how we should take and use our money and what we should do with it. And it's just full. Jesus taught probably like 25% of his teachings were on the area of finances and what you should do with it. And so today, this is part of that teaching of Jesus' words to us and, and what we should do. And, and I just thought, I think it's at a great time, you know, because there's a lot of talk about the economy. And there's a lot of things that are out there that are being shared about where we're at as a nation and where we're at financially. And some people say we're in a recession, but I don't know if you've, have you been out to the, to the restaurant lately? I would, you know, it, it, you wouldn't think we're in a recession. I mean, you haven't been on the waiting list to go eat and spend money. And, and uh, you go to the movie theater. We don't do that often, but if we do and we go there, I mean, there's this line of people who are out there shelling it out. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's the, so much that we're in this recession, but I think partially what may be going on is we may not have the wisdom to do what we're supposed to do with our wealth. Some people, view, some people are in this, in this place today, and as a nation, we're praying for more wealth. And what I would do today is say, God, give me more wisdom. Amen. And if you get more wisdom, you'll end up getting more wealth, and you'll know what to do with it when it comes. But today, I just pray you'll be open to this. And, but in our finances, we do this a lot of times. We want to look at and put the blame on other people about where we're at financially. We want to do that so much. We want to, we want to blame someone. You, want to, you got the high class blaming the low class. You got the middle class blame, uh, blaming the ones above and below them. You got the Democrat blaming the Republican. You got the Republican blaming the Democrat. And then maybe eventually they can all get together and agree on one thing that terrorists are the ones who did it, you know. So that's who it is. But here's the truth it's all those. It's all of us. A lot of us are in this place today, and we're in positions, David, and our finances are in the condition that they're in, not because you don't have wealth. A lot of us, it's because you don't have the wisdom and do the things that you're supposed to do with that. So, again, as we open up today the scriptures, don't tune me out even when you heard the words rich and fool. Some of you said this today. Some of you said, well, I'm neither. I ain't rich and I ain't a fool, so I'm good. So he, I'm just going to tell somebody they need to listen to this podcast and I'm going to tune out and get ready to go eat. No, you better stay with me today because I'm talking to each of us today. I'm talking to all of us in the room because here's I have a tendency what we want to do is we want to say that the person above the rung on the economical ladder is they're the rich. We're not. 
But I want us to see today globally, and as the Scripture is speaking and Jesus is talking, I believe he's talking to us because most of us drove here today. Most of us laid in a bed last night. And uh, I mean, and covered up with blankets and got up and ate something this morning and drank something this morning. You had shelter. We walked into this place today and we had heat that was on and we had lights that were working. And so you got this place and when you leave church today, you're going to probably go eat lunch somewhere else. And you're going to go sit in this warm car, this cool car that you can hit the button and, and do and, and just be able to go to this place. So again, I want you to go ahead and get out of your mind today that you're not the rich. Because we are. We really are. I mean, we're, that's us. And so, and again, there's nothing wrong with being rich. As we're going to get into this thing today, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being rich because there are righteous people that are rich. And that's awesome. That's what God wants us to be. He wants us to be righteous people who are rich. But there are also this. There are unrighteous people that are rich. Very much so. They, they, they gain this through the wrong ways. They gain it through riches, through hoarding and through keeping and pulling and, 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 and holding on to. And they get to this place. There's also the righteous and they're poor. Now, that's just economical because if you're righteous, you're not poor. Now, that's a whole other message, but I ain't going there. But, but you need to see that. There, there, there is this. And there's also the unrighteous and poor. There are all these days. But so again, as we talk about this today, I want you to go and say this, that you are the rich. That is you. We are talking to you. And so today, just go ahead, don't tune me out, but hear today what the scripture is going to say as we get into this day and look at this parable that Jesus taught entitled the rich fool. So I, I want us to kind of just do this for a moment. Just stay with me. Johnny, just hang tight. Go with me. Roll with me. I want to do this. I want to set this scene. So if you have your Bible, you can keep it open in Luke 12. And let's kind of breeze through the scriptures real quick to get us up to this point because I think it's important. All right. I think it's important the context that Jesus said what he said and as he was teaching. So again, this is Jesus speaking to the multitudes. I love this. In 12 verse 1, it said that this place was crowded. There were people there. And verse 1 says that they were, um, they were in the meantime when a number of multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another. I mean, that's wild. There's so many people coming here that's hearing what Jesus was saying and teaching and, and that they were trampling on one another. I mean, so this is a lot of people. As you look through the scriptures, I mean, Jesus is bringing it, son. He is going off. He is teaching. He's preaching. He's just preaching his guts out, telling them, man, the Pharisees, you did this. The lawyers, you've done this. The word says this. He's bringing it. I'm I love it, man. I just can kind of get a picture on my mind. He's talking about being hypocritical. He's talking about people who are saying one thing, living another way. Oh, y'all quiet today. It's all right. It's okay. This is what it says. It's still true whether you believe it or not. Uh, he said, beware of the, of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. He's going through. He's bringing this stuff. And then he goes on in verse 5. Listen to what he says. He starts teaching on the fear of God. I mean, he's going off. Jesus is bringing it. He says, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear whom him who after he has killed and has power to cast into hell. Yes, I said you fear him. Hold on, where's Jesus at? I want to see the Jesus up there with his arms stretched out and with a little tear. Come on, I want that Jesus back. Bring him, bring that Jesus back. As he stood over the crowd, he had multitude of, looked over and he had compassion. He did that. It's true. But he also said things like this in the scriptures. 
He said, be very careful. He said that we should have this mindset, that we should be very careful about the one who has a control over our life, and he sees us in this light. We should have this reverence, this awe, this fear of God in such a way that we look at him and say, man, you are in control of everything. I want to live my life for you. I want to do these things for you. And so then he goes on to say, he's bringing it. He says, this is what you should do. You should confess Christ before men. You should confess Christ before men. He says, I say to you that whoever confesses me before men, him, the Son of Man, also will confess before the angels of God. Last weekend when we was putting people in the water, people were just showing a confession of faith. They were showing that, man, this Christ that has been preached in this church has changed my life. He lives in me. And today I want to get up and identify with that and confess to the world, put it on Facebook, Twitter. Let everybody see me going in the water because I believe today and I confess this. And this is what, this is what the Lord does. He's confessing to the Father that, hey, that's mine. I love that. Come on. That's when we was cheering last week and shouting, have balloons and cookies and having a good time when we have baptisms. When some people just have an organ and somber, solemn. Now, what's going on in heaven? I believe there's rejoicing taking place, and we should be happy about that. And it's a good thing. Then he goes on. Jesus throws some stuff in here, man. This ain't just you know three points in a poem kind of message. He's he's going off. He says in verse ten, he says, and anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But to him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. So in this same message, he's talking about hypocrisy. He's talking about living this life of this holy fear of God. He's talking about that we should be confessing our life toward uh, to God in front of men. I mean, this stuff should be seen. This impardonable sin, I mean, wow. Then, then he, talks, he goes on to say all these things. Then he says you should be a witness for him, 11 and 12. Let's just keep going and set it up because this is how real this is, how important. Because he says now when they bring you, to the synagogues and the magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. That's, I mean, that's just cool. That The Holy Spirit is going to be a part of our life, teaching us and just being there for us as we witness, as we live our life for Him. That is awesome. So just kind of, just, just for a moment, get this in your mind, how this is playing out. Jesus up teaching truth, sharing the scriptures, talking about hell, talking about living your life, talking about unpardonable sins, talking about all these things. And then the scripture says in the story as we get to, in verse 13, somebody raises their hand in this big crowd. Jesus is trying to teach all of these truths that's going to change their life for eternity. And then this guy wants to bring in verse 13, and he says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide inheritance with me. I mean, can you see this for a minute? I mean, you know, they, they, that's right, you know where I'm at. I mean, they're falling over on each other. They're about to say they're trampling on one another. And it's, I mean, it's, Jesus, I mean, hey, come on, confess it. Dude, I mean, I, I, just, I can just see him bringing it, man, just going off. And then this guy, can you tell him to give me my money? <laughs> that's a trip, man. That is awesome. But... <laughs> And then Jesus said, verse 14, he said, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator of you? Basically saying, do you not hear what I'm talking about? Do you not understand what's going on? These, all this stuff I'm teaching, and you worried about your finances, you worried about you? Oh, my goodness. I mean, just, just 
this is nuts, man. Apparently, again, there's this inheritance, which means most likely, according to custom, what happened is this guy's father has passed away. And, and as a result, his, here it is, this, you know, someone who's at loss and someone who should have had this big place in their life, they should be you know, remorse and, and just in a place of it, worried about finances. Have you said, I've seen that. Being in my position, I've seen that if somebody dies and brothers should be embracing each other, sisters should be encouraging one another, and then they start fighting over stuff. I just nuts. That's, and, but that's what's going on here. Jesus is preaching these truths. He's talking about all this stuff. He's saying these things. He's preaching the scriptures. He's telling them what they need to do. And this guy's saying, give me my money. And then Jesus goes on, and he says, I, I, I love this. I believe Jesus is probably one of the most powerful scriptures, verses in the scripture, Bible. I mean, outside of salvation, where we're at, and how we get to Jesus as that free gift of grace. I think he says one of the coolest verses ever in verse 15. Let's look at this for a second. He says, he said to them, he said, take heed, beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. The Message Bible says that life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. I mean, that, that, that's powerful. I mean, and we're living in this age, we're living in this time, and, and the media is just, I mean, crazy. You've got shows like Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I don't care less about Keeping Up with the Junkers. I mean, she stayed married 72 days. 72 days. I mean, did she stay married? And then she, now she's filing for divorce because I don't want to keep up with that. I want, I want to do what the scripture says to do and live our life. I want to raise up men and godly women and, and, and young people that are coming together, doing what the scripture says to do. But, but this media is just, just, I mean, constantly coming at us with this. And he says this. He says, not to be defined and pulled into living your life with covetousness. That is the word greed. Okay, let's just go ahead and break it down, tell what it is. And I know we're living this time literally. It means greed. It means lust. It means this desire to have more. It is the worship of an idol. And, and I mean, it is just pulling us in this place. Statistically, they say that Americans have, average American has $7,000 on credit cards today. And I'm like, What? I mean, why? Because that's what's happening. They're getting pulled into this thing. We're getting sucked in. Advertisement, you can call it what you want to call it, good, good advertising. Well, no, it's called greedy, covetousness to get you to spend money you ain't got and get you to not be happy with what you got. I know it's pitiful and sad that some of you only have 2G on your telephone. I'm sorry. I mean, I hate that you're being persecuted for the gospel's sake right now, and you haven't been able to step on into the due days of 3G, and for some people, T-Mobile now 4 is, is, is being offered. I hate that for you. I hate some of you that when you got in your car, the seats didn't heat up for you, and, and everything wasn't nice, everything wasn't good for you. And, and I mean, I just, that's, just, that's just tough for you. That's, that's pitiful. It's pitiful, man. Let me pray for you right now. But, sir, but, I mean, is that not what happened? They're constantly trying to do this. They're just bombarding our minds with this stuff. When I was younger, this was a show called uh, The Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Do y'all remember Robin Leach? I mean, do you remember Robin Leach? The Lifestyles of the Rich. And he's, he runs around. He's going all over the country to make everybody feel bad. Y'all young people thought MTV Cribs was the first part of that. Nah. MTV Cribs came along many years after Robin Leach. And so, and what these people are trying to do is, is just suck you in and pull you in, make you not to be happy with what you got. 
Oh, man, they got, a, they got a basketball court in their bathroom. Amen. I don't have that in my bathroom, and so I'm not, it, I, I'm, I mean, I need to do that. I mean, seriously, you start thinking about this. They got TVs and, and speakers, and no matter where you go, listen, I mean, I saw this commercial today. I think it was like a satellite commercial or dish or something like that, where the TV, the guy's in one room, and the, and the, the, the movie's being acted out, and this is fireman, and he's going through, he's busting through the door, and he's falling or whatever, and they freeze it. The guy rolls over here, he goes in here, gets him something to eat, and all of a sudden he can just click the button and it just picks up right where, come on. Come on, man. Seriously, are you serious? I mean, it's just, it's constantly trying to pull us in and make us not be happy because, I mean, we should really be able to go anywhere in our house and be able to hear the movie. That's what's wrong with some of us. We've got too much junk in our lives, too much stuff going on. I love technology, man. Y'all know I'm a social media person, but sometimes you need to turn it off. You need to just get with Jesus. You need to turn things and, and just and let the Holy Spirit just speak into your life. And we get in this place where we just constantly want more. Colossians 3, 5 says that covetousness is idolatry. Now, if I did this, if I, if I brought out Buddha statue and stuck little round Buddha on the stage and started bowing down to Buddha, y'all say, man, I knew the pastor didn't lost his mind. Knew he didn't lost. I knew he was going that direction. But listen, how many of us come in and we go to this tube? Ain't even tube anymore. What do they call it now? It's plasmas and flat screens. But I got one. That's okay. But I mean, you go in this thing and you just turn it on and you just. Come on. Some of you got so consumed last night with football. Not wrong football. What? I watched a little bit of football. Some of you watch, got so consumed with UFC. Nothing wrong with you. I watched UFC last night. I watched a little bit of that. Nothing wrong with some, but sometimes we just get so pulled in and we get so consumed and we find ourselves where we're, I, I mean, literally, this is what we're doing. We're worshiping. We're worship. It's, it's idol worship, and that's what's taking place whether we will say it or not. We have a big problem if it was Buddha or Krishna. Or, but it's okay when it's this tube or it's this, this screen that we sit in front of and we constantly clicking and clicking and clicking and being pulled in. But what happens is it just gets this pulled, and then it's not fast enough. I remember this. And again, I like some speed stuff, man. I think it's good. I think you should stay on top of it. I remember when you used to click on the Internet, go outside, wash your truck, come back in, and you still clicking, you're still getting on. You know what I'm talking about? You could go, you could go work out, get your jog in, come back, and come in and go, I mean, and it's just getting there. But, but then we had to just, we have now to stay, I mean, oh, click it. Oh, are you serious? What's wrong with this thing? Call one of the computer tech guys. Something wrong. It took this thing a half a second to get there. I am frustrated. I'm so mad. This thing is doing, I mean, seriously, I mean, this just drives me nuts. But we get pulled in. We get pulled in. Pastor Tim Keller, he, he, he did an amazing study on idol worship. Now, I want you to think about this for just a second. This is, this is, this is, this is a different way to look at it. The surface idol, and he talked about deep idols. All right, now, just, just for a second, I just want to kind of teach for a moment. He, he said that in this study that he found of idol worship, he said that we look at this surface idol of wealth and riches, and we think that's the idol. We think that the idol is the finances, this is the money. But he said, look at, the, look at this thing, and he said, there's different reasons why people where they're at. The surface idol being riches and wealth. But for some, that, that surface idol is there because they had the deep idol of status. They 
they have they have to they have to have these certain things because if they're not, then somebody may not think the same of them. I mean, if my underwear don't have this certain tag in it, I mean something. I mean, this is just wrong. I mean, that should I should be able to have that that tag in my underwear. I mean, I deserve that because I've worked so hard for that. I should have this. I should be able to drive whatever I want to drive because I work. Tim Keller said it. Email him. Uh, the, the, the surface idol being riches and wealth, for some, it's not just status. It's not a status issue. It's not their, that's not their struggle. They're not really so much concerned about what everybody else thinks. But they have this deep idol of security. I think this is the rich fool's struggle in, 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 the, in the parable. We'll, we'll get there in a second. But as he looks at this, he has this security. He's not trusting God to meet his needs. He's this miser. He's this hoarder. He's just this. This is this is just for me. I'm gonna hold on to this. And so if if Obamacare don't work out and and Mitt Romney care don't come through and whatever it is, I mean none of these things make it for me. Then I'm gonna still be okay. Tim Keller, right? Um, then this deep idol here for some is this. It's this comfort and pleasure. It's comfort and pleasure because really, again, I, I'm, I mean, I, I work, I, I, I serve on this team or I do this church. So really, I should have all the pleasures I want. I should have all the comforts I want. We should be able to do these things. But look at what Jesus said as he begins to talk. And he, he, and he, and he breaks down and he looks at this parable and he starts in verse 16. He said, let me tell you about this, about a parable of this rich man who had a lot of things. Now, just just, just for a second, just think about this. He had a lot of things. Is anything wrong with having a lot of things? Absolutely not. I, I mean, you should. I think the Lord wants you to have things. Matter of fact, he said this, the ground that yielded plentiful. He had these things, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you're a business person, you work, I think you should get in there and, I mean, give it everything you got. Go at it. I mean, invest your time, your energy, your resources. Go at it. Do what you're called to do. Go at it with everything you got. Nothing wrong with having these things. You should work hard. Matter of fact, I love what the Scripture says. He says that he has so much stuff come in. So many things come in that he didn't have room enough for this. Nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. Matter of fact, this is something the Lord showed me. Never heard anybody teach. I put these two things together. But as a matter of fact, in the scriptures, I believe this was Jesus' plan for this man. I believe this is what he wanted for him because the Lord took me back to the scriptures in Malachi where he says, and I've never heard these together, he said that to bring all the tithe into the storehouse. This is the scripture. This is what the Lord says, that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. He says, in this area of your life, you should, be, you should be tithing and trying him. You should be doing these things in your life, says the Lord. And he says this, and if I, see, just if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven, pour out blessings for you, such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. I was like, come on, man. That's good stuff. That's good text. That's good scripture. That's good teaching, man. That is awesome. That's what he wants to do. That's what happened in the parable. Come on, let that sit for a minute. This is what took place. I don't know again. I don't know how he got to that place. I don't know where he, how he, what method he got. He just said he was rich, had all this stuff. He had so much he didn't have room enough to receive it. And the Lord was like, that's what I want. That's the plan for you. That's what I want for you. But then we've done this in the church. 
We've done this throughout, throughout the nation. We've, we've, we've adapted, we've pulled just parts of those things, and now we call calling stuff, there's the prosperity gospel. Now, here's my problem with the prosperity gospel. You got prosperity before gospel. And the gospel all by itself is prosperity. It's all you need. You don't need to add anything else to the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, that he came from heaven to this earth, lived this life. He then gave his life. He then uh, rose from the grave. He went to heaven. And now he's going to one day come back again and take us to him. That's good news. That's prosperous for us. That's all we need. We don't need anything else. You don't have to add anything to that. And what they did was, the, the people have done this, the teachers that have taught this, they took Malachi and read, hey, man, he's going to give you so much blessings, you won't have room enough to receive it. And so what we've done is, and it's, I'm, I ain't just trying to bash nobody, but it, I don't understand it. But, I mean, it, it just wow, this mindset gets this way. They just keep taking this rung up the ladder. Lord gave me something, so I'm going to get something better. Y'all got to love me today because I'm preaching truth. I'm preaching better than you acting right now. I mean, this is good. But, but, but I mean, just think for a second. These guys, some of the guys on TV, again, I, some people are like, you jealous. No, I'm not. I promise you I'm not. I got everything I need. I got a good-looking woman, good-looking kids, awesome church, love Jesus. I eat every day. Got clothes on. I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm good. But some of this stuff just blows my mind. They take the message of just that scripture. He's going to give you room enough, so much that you don't have room enough to receive. In the scripture, this is what happens to the dude. He takes that, and as a result of all this stuff that came in, he said, here's what I'm going to do. This is what I do. I'm going to build a bigger barn. Mark Driscoll says this sin is worshiping wealth instead of worshiping God with your wealth. Just, verse 18 says, so he said this, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. Message Bible says, then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll gather in all the grains and goods. Verse 19 says, and I'll say to myself, self, can you see this conversation happening? I said to myself, self, you've done well. (laughs) Self, you've done well. You've done good. You've done well. You got it made and can now retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. I've had. I'm going to get that. But just... Bible doesn't talk much about retirement. It talks about putting back for your kids' kids and stuff like that. But you, look, look at what happens here. When the Scripture's talking about this, when he's breaking this down, he's looking at these things, God doesn't give for you so you can just keep on getting more for you. He does give to you so you can be blessed, have your needs met. He wants that for your life. But when God brings things into your life, it's not so you can go out and build a bigger barn. This is the Bible. This is the Bible. He says this right here, and this is, this is what's tough, and this is what we've done. In the last 30 years, you know, family sizes are down 30%. Houses are up 50. House sizes are up 50%. It was like 1950, I believe. It was like the average size, like 1,000 square feet. Now it's like 2,200. It's doubled, and not nobody in it. 
Because here's what we did. As a nation, we had a couple of good years. So let's just go out and buy everything. Let's go out and start all these subdivisions that are now sitting empty. Let's go out and build all these bigger barns. Let's go out and do all this stuff and don't have the grain to put in them. But we get pulled in, we get sucked in, we get taught and brought into this stuff. And Jesus says this to him in verse 20. He says, God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose things, whose will these things be which you have provided? Who, whose would that be then? He, it's like he does this. I, I love the parables. This is what I think is so cool about it. He, he, he puts this thing in perspective for us. He basically tells them, let me show you how this thing's going to end for this dude. Let's go ahead and take it on to the end. Let's pull this thing in, and let's let us see how this thing's going to work out for this joker. And it says that, that he says to them, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Basically, this is what he said. Your number's getting pulled. That, that, that scripture is appointed a man wants to die, then after that you're going to be judged. That was his time. Your appointment is right now. Here's your appointment time, right now. And he takes him and he pulls him in, and then he comes before him and he says, he says you fool, what, what? What are you thinking? What are you doing? And, and he says, hold on now. I want to lay this stuff up for myself. Let's look at what Jesus said in Matthew 6. Jot it down. Don't turn there. I'm going to read it quick. I know you're getting hungry. Matthew 6, 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for your treasures, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You mean we can have treasures in heaven? According to Jesus, yeah, we can have treasures there where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. He says this in verse 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We were talking about this Wednesday night. We are talking about the Trinity. And, and, you know, it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But this dude had his own little Trinity. It was me, myself, and I. He had his own little Trinity. He worshiped. He bowed down to. He, he believed. And he, he worshiped. And he lived his life today this way. And the Scripture says, man, you've laid up treasure for himself. It was not rich towards Let me bottom line this for just a second. Let me bottom line this because I want us to pray for, for just in, in, in a moment. A lot of truths here, and I'm just going to throw these at you. I jot them down if you're a note taker. Here's the thing. Your possessions, a lot of things we can pull from this, and I love the scriptures. First of all, your possessions don't determine who you are. Whether you got a lot or where you got a little. It doesn't define you. It doesn't matter the clothes, the house. Car. That's not what defines you. We think it is, and that's what the world tries to tell us. That's what it's trying to show us but it doesn't define you. Second was this. There's dangers in us being materialistic. Amen. Great dangers. So much danger in it that Jesus would say, you fool. I, I don't, I, when I get before him, when I, and I will, I'll bow down before him one day, and, and, and just here I am. I want to hear him say, well done. That's my prayer. You know, for each of you guys, I pray this, that when you bow down before him, and you will, that you'll hear these words, well done. Good and you faithful servant. Faithful, good servant. 
Possessions don't do this. Possessions neither give life, provide security for it, because this is what will happen. Ultimately, we'll die. Can't take it with you. Can't carry those things to the next life. And again, according to scriptures, we've seen both. I believe God wants to get it to you. I believe he wants you to have a barn. I believe he wants to have your provision in the barn. I believe he wants you to have all the things that come with living life, and he wants you blessed. But here's the thing. One day, if you're so consumed and you get so caught up and your mindset is you, and you're not being rich towards God, I know it's tough. We have a choice to do today. We can do this. Either the money can be an idol for us. We can use it in that way. Or it can be a tool. I mean, seriously. And I believe this. I believe he wants the money for you. But again, you have a choice of what you do with it. And it, it, it always goes back to choices. We're talking about this the other night. I was praying with the family. that Man, you know, everything goes back to choices that we make. And why is it so important? This is why it's so important, because he said this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I say this, I say this in our new members meeting, I say it in teachings or whatever. You know, there's two things that you can judge somebody's life by. That's their calendar and their checkbook. I can look at those two, and again, I'm nobody's judge. I, I'm held accountable, so that's why I try to walk in faithfulness. But you can look at those two things, and you can see where and what is their heart. It's just, I mean, it's just true. I mean, you can look at those two things, and, and, and I know the whole message, the parable of the robe, and around. I have a lot more fun there today, but I tell you, this can be more benefit to you while you're here. It's huge. Because here's the thing, God wants your heart. We want to look at the outward things, and, and we want to pull scriptures sometimes and make them fit just for us. And, and I tell you, one of my favorite scriptures I used to use, I've used it forever, man, is that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And that's a good scripture. And it, I believe it's very applicable in a lot of places for our life. But he does, I want us to hear that last part, he does look at the heart. He will look at the heart. Matter of fact, he's looking at it right now. He's very concerned about our heart and where we're at and what we're doing. And this is a cool thing. There's grace. There's love for us. And this is the neat thing. And I've, I, and I've done this with each of the parables. I asked the question, man, how does this apply to us? What, who are we in the story? Are we, the, are we the one who has the money? Are we the rich fool who already has it and not doing the right things with it? Are we the joker ever saying, hey, Jesus, tell him to give me mine? I want mine. I'm going to give him. He, he, I think what Jesus is doing here, he's showing both of those. He's showing the one don't have it and the one that does have it. Neither one of them have the right perspective of what it's all about. Today, Lord wants our heart. I want, to be, I want him to do this today. I want him to have it. 